Well, Jilly, it's hard to start this episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast with a fun, bubbly personality as we normally do, but I guess we'll give it a shot. Welcome in to the Kings cast here as part of the Hoopball Podcast Network. We are thrilled and so thankful that you have allowed us to be a part of your Sacramento Kings coverage. I'm Damian Barling, VSPN 1320 here in Sacramento. She is Jill Adge, the boss and the host of your show, and Jill, the news is all bad. We did a show last week where it was like, hey, win streak came to an end against Philadelphia. No big deal. It's okay. Here's why it's okay. And we laid out all of these reasons about how they fought hard and this happened and that happened. <laughs> and pretty much everything has gone to hell since the moment we published that episode. That's always how it happens, right? I mean, with this team, anytime you start getting pessimistic, right, which is normal, all of a sudden mm-hmm. they do something really flashy and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe. And then all of a sudden you get excited about the maybe and then boom, right back to earth. Like it's, you get, it's, just it's like a it continuous never, up and down. It's and it, yeah. like everybody, like it's the King's roller coaster season. It's like, what part of the roller coaster is this? Like, are we like, what are we, are we, are we going to head back up? Is there like some type of twist turn? Like what is, where, what part of the well, coaster are we on? I mean, based on the runs we've had where, you know, it's, it was down and then it was up and yeah. then it was down yeah. and then it was up, like really up. And then I was really down again. We've had those couple where on one of the shows you were saying that you're right. You're going to have losses. You're going to have some runs of losses. It's just, mm-hmm. you don't want it to exceed three, four, like you want to be able to nip it. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, the, and what's frustrating is, is these are the teams that you should have been, Take away the Nets, right? Like, I'm not yeah. talking about the Nets yeah. or Philadelphia, but with the Magic and with um, Memphis, you could have nipped it with one of those two, mm-hmm. right? And we can't use the injury excuse, I'm sorry, because Magic have more players hurt than us, and Memphis was down, like, three rotational players that they were actually playing during the season at some point. So, Yes, you know, we're having injuries. And for the first time this season, we're really having to use other players and piece them in. Um, But that's where this team has always faltered, not even just this season, but over, you know, the last couple with this core. It's any time you kind of lose part of that foundation, this team forgets how to do anything, right? Whether it be a trade or an injury, anytime you like move a piece, it's this team forgets how, how you know how to keep the wheels moving essentially, and until that gets resolved, I think you're going to keep seeing the continuous up and down. And then we just got the news that there's mm-hmm. a good chance that Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes um, will be out against the Heat. And I mean, that's really screwy for us because we just lost Metu, right? Granted, he's a two-way, but he was our guy where yeah. when our bigs were hurt, you were he's able still to a throw it. <laughs> like, right? Like he's a body. Yes. Yeah. And because it's not like you had a Frank Kaminsky, like you had another big on the bench that you could throw in. Like he was your big on the bench that you could put in um, while Whiteside's been in and out with injuries, his own, you know, his own self. And so – Take away that, then Barnes was your backup, backup center. We, we've been using him uh, to guard um, the centers the last couple games, and he was actually decent at it. But again, now you're back to at 
I don't even know who who you throw in there or if Whiteside can even last playing that long. I'm assuming it's you're going to have Bagley playing a lot of five. Yep. And you're going to see an increase in uh, GR3 and uh, Bielitsa again. And the so there, there's a lot here to to digest just in that like small you know <laughs> breakdown that you is because you just talked about Bagley playing a lot at the five. Bagley missed two games over the weekend, you know. So now it's like okay, That's hey, true. yeah, let's go, big fella. All right, we're gonna need you to do a whole lot here if we're if if we're missing Harrison Barnes and the fact that Luke Walton even hinted that it's possible that they miss tomorrow's game gives me a, a pretty good indication he's that. Him, him, and both Rashawn Holmes are are almost certainly missing uh, tomorrow's game or today's game, depending on when you're listening to this against the Miami Heat. So that's certainly frustrating. And uh, we did right, and depending on what how this team sees Barnes, if he's if he's staying or if he's going to be a trade asset, you really don't want to, you know, ruin the plans there. Yeah, well, and, yeah you can't have anything happen to him either way. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But yeah, I mean, even more so. Um, to me, like, yes, you don't want him getting hurt, period, right? But you could handle him sitting on your bench hurt if you're planning on keeping him. Rather, mm-hmm. You know, you can stomach that a lot easier than he was our big trade piece and we had made the decision to move on yeah. and now, you know, we now we can't. So. It says a strained foot. That's what Harrison And he Barnes. played through it. Yeah, and and think about that for a second. Given the fact that we may have just gotten to the point where Harrison Barnes misses a game, and you look back at the way Harrison has played over the last three games, and I I pointed it out as well. It's like, man, I mean, he's averaging like in the single digits. Like, this is not, this ain't the guy. Like, this isn't the guy who we call the rock of the the team. Like, this, this ain't it. It makes a little bit more sense now if we know that he's been attempting to play through right. the strained foot. And you saw he was not as aggressive in going mm-hmm. to the rim like he had been. And if you have a foot strain, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I also have to imagine, not not even remotely speaking from experience, but the closer you get to your Achilles, whether it's above with a calf strain or it's below with a foot strain, you're probably thinking about your Achilles. Now with the foot, probably not as much, but if you tear something at the bottom of your foot, that could be problematic. Um, But you know, all of these muscles and ligaments and tendons wind up, you know, connected in one shape or form. And I always get nervous anytime there's something going on or any, anywhere in the vicinity of, of, of an Achilles far more with a calf strain than a foot strain. But um, I, I, you know, it, 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 Again, it does bring Harrison Barnes' last three games into a into a greater scope, into a greater picture, assuming, of course, that he has been playing through that. And this isn't something that just magically appeared over the course of the last 24 to 48 hours. Um, we haven't mentioned the fact that De'Aaron Fox missed the game against Orlando yet. We haven't mentioned the, fo- uh, the fact that Daquan Jeffries went from Luke Walton saying, "Hey, yeah, you know, you know, it's good to have Daquan back at practice. We can see what Daquan does, and then all of a sudden, I don't know where we're going to be able to find him. We've got a good groove going here. We got a good rotation going here, and then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, Daquan, you're playing. Oh, you know what, fella, you're going to start. We're going to need you to get out there and and give us not just minutes, but give us some big minutes because all of a sudden, after avoiding injuries for twenty four games I think 24 25 games all of a sudden it's like well the the injury bug has caught up with the Sacramento Kings roster and it is maddening because it's all happening at once 
Yeah, and I think we had talked about this, that what is the team going to show us when that does happen? Yeah. Um, Because we had been one of the few teams that really hadn't and hadn't hit. But that was kind of my frustration when it came to what he said about Jeffries, with how bad this team had been defensively. Like, that's the one piece where that kid shines, right? Mm -hmm. And and you saw it when he did get pieced in there, that – he was the one guy where you could see like physically going at it on the defensive end and actually made some really good, good stops and plays. Um, I would like to see his minutes, his, I don't know if it's a minute restriction or if it's just what it is, but cause we haven't really got that, that answer yet that if his sporadic minutes of how he's being put in is because of uh, any, some kind of minute restriction or if it's just that's how Luke's feeling at the time. But I, I would like to see more of that. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. With this team, I don't know. <laughs> it, and, and again, it all just it's, a week ago, everything was fine. Everything yeah. was fine. One week ago, you and I were looking at each other going, it's not that bad. I know the loss to Philadelphia is frustrating because in the fourth quarter, it felt like you had it, but really, we're talking a three-on-one spurt against some really, really good basketball teams. And now here we are talking about an 0-3 spurt, a four-game losing streak where you you lost. And I think this is—I'm I'm so happy that you pointed it out because I feel like people weren't. Well, you know, Fox and Bagley were gone. Dude, Evan Fournay was gone. Uh, Al Farouk Amino was gone. Cole Anthony was gone. Michael Carter Williams hadn't Fultz, played in like their, six their, months. Their main, their main point guard, Fultz, who then Anthony was having to play. I don't know what's going on with the Magic either because they just came out at Anthony had had the shoulder strain, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, after further testing, now he's got right. like a cracked rib. And it's like, Jeez. what's going on there that, I mean, it's, but it's continuous. Yeah, I think Fournier, today's his first game back, but he had had a stretch with his back spasms and stuff. But yeah, I mean, and that was Michael Carter. And that Michael was Carter his Williams, first yeah. or, It was his first or second game back, and we made him look unstoppable. It was his first, yeah. I mean, it was his first. he, he, he was driving. It was Olay right to the basket. I mean, there were four times in a row where literally he he went through all five people. Like, and no, no offense to him, to MCW, but he is not like Kyrie, and we made him look like he could drive like Kyrie. Like it, yeah. I mean, it was nuts. <laughs> As we saw several nights later. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> and so yes, last week or the week before, we were talking really well, you know, about this team, but just a week or two before that, we were doing what we're doing now, where it was a three-four game, five-game losing streak, if not more than that. Um, so it's just honestly at this point, it's either they're really good or they're really bad. Like there doesn't seem to be much in the way of an in-between. Granted, the only time I will say except that was the Philadelphia game, where I'm not big on like you know, moral victories or you know, that kind of stuff. But to mm-hmm. me, that was a good loss. Like you sure. you stayed with that team, you gave yourself a shot at the end, and really when you're playing a, a better team. To me, that's all you can hope for. Be in the game and give yourself a shot at the end. And they did. Um, They played smart, high IQ basketball. And when they go through these streaks of losing, 
It's, it's completely, they go away from everything that's made them successful. And that's what's fr so frustrating about this group is we've seen it with this group for what, three, some four, the around three years now. It, and, and it's like, when is that going, when will it stop or will it ever stop? And at that point, too, that's where, you know, as we're getting closer to the trade deadline, that's where the front office now has to has to make the decision of. Are these players capable of actually making that next step or is this just where they're going to be? Because for some of these players, it's their deficiencies with us, but you go put them on a good team. It will be masked. Be they fine. will be just yeah. fine. Buddy will be just fine. Corey Joseph will be just fine. But when you're on a bad defensive mm -hmm. team or, you know what I mean? Like they're glaring, right? Yeah. It's so there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made in, you know, the next couple of weeks. And it's going to be interesting to see which way. Can we talk goes. about Metu for a second and the play with Valanchunas? Um, I'm sure everybody has seen it a thousand times by now, and I encourage everybody to go see it a thousand times more because there was a point early this morning, because we spent a lot of time talking about it on the show today, and there was a point this morning where I, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, everybody in the world is an idiot except for me. Like I was reading so many comments, and these obviously aren't coming from Kings fans, but even John ja Morant. Like, I have no issue with John ja Morant. I like John. Ja. I appreciate what he brings to the league. I think he's incredibly exciting. I know he's backing his his player in this sense, but he says Metu was feeling himself a little bit too much on on that dunk, and he pulled Valanciunas aside, said, "Hey, don't worry, you know, we'll get him back." He doesn't believe that Valanciunas was trying to hurt him. When you go back and you watch that play with Metu dunking, you see what to me is just crystal clear: Metu dunks it. His momentum brings it around. He doesn't put his legs on, on Valanchunas. He doesn't do anything of the sort. As a matter of fact, he comes around. His, like, Valanchunas's like, arm is underneath his leg, and he wraps it up. You could see Metu reacting like, yo, he, put, he takes his hand off the rim and puts it in the air like, this dude has me wrapped up. And seconds later, he's being flung around and thrown to the ground off of the freaking rim. And Josh sitting here talking about Metu was feeling himself, and that's that's why that that happened. It's like, hey, that's bullshit. See, right, and this is my thing: is if you look at the different angles, he he's he dunked the ball, and he's holding on to the rim like so many other players do when there's a play underneath him. It's Absolutely. not his fault. It was a seven footer that was underneath him, and not let's say a six two guy where he can actually maneuver, you know, around. When you're dealing with someone the size of JV, like mm -hmm. there's nowhere for him to go. Like physically, there was nowhere for for that kid to go. And and so anyone saying that, and there were multiple. I mean, even the fans coming out that a lot of the Memphis ones, even since then, since it's happened, really surprised me that oh, that's what a kid gets for trying to punk somebody. And it's like they were down. At that point, right? Like it would they weren't in the game. Mm -hmm. And they weren't he, in that game at a, all. Right. He's <laughs> this was not him trying to showboat at all. So um, and I think they're it's because you see maybe other good players doing things like that. 
But again, they're not doing it to a seven footer that's that's over them. Like when you look, just physically look at the play, there, there's nowhere for the kid to land or to go without physically putting himself in danger as well. And I I don't get how no one on the Kings even tried. Like the only That's one I it. saw move, the only one I saw moving forward was Glenn Robinson. But even then it was like, he was moving like that. Like, okay guys, like, okay. Like he See, stood in front of Metu when he got that up. Pisses me but off. it was, he was looking at Metu. He wasn't looking at JV. Right. And then, and then Eunice was pissed off about what happened and then went and went purposely at mm. Corey Joseph and no one did anything either. Refs, player, like nothing. Where I don't get how, like, and we talk about, is this team soft? Is it like not being physical and stuff like this? Soft as like, hell. You're completely allowing them to, where they thought the Kings were going at them. Oh, no. Like yeah. that was that was the other way around, and and they were like, "All right, cool, like we're getting our asses That's kicked, like trash. whatever." And now their guys hurt. That's such trash. That's the part that infuriates me. Like fans are going to be fans. You rep your team, like whatever. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton said uh, today, "I felt like what happened was definitely wrong." Um, he went on to talk about how Metu is a hard worker. He's a two way contract guy trying to prove himself. Luke Walton said that night of the Memphis game, he thought it was a dangerous play. He said today after practice that he thought it was a dirty play. Then he still thinks it is now. But the part that That's absolutely the only one that I actually heard, me. I heard any player talk about that night was Walton. He was pretty adamant, like mm. the whole time that that. But I didn't hear. I mean, unless I missed it, I didn't hear any other Kings. Well, player. Tyrese said it today. Tyrese said okay. that today. I don't. I don't know that anyone said it that night. But the fact the that we had a Blazers player call him out before a Kings. I Not mean, only okay, a Blazers I'm happy player. As, you know what I mean? I'm happy superstar. Walton did right. Like I'm happy Luke did. Like as your as the coach, like cool. He even could have got thrown out during the game. Like done something but at least he actually spoke up that night mm-hmm. right and, and was even yelling at the refs when it happened and we all know i'm not i'm not a walton fan but kudos to him because he was the only one that actually like that night that seemed to have his back but the fact that somebody on another team is, is speaking out before anybody on your current team like come on like Yusuf Nurkic, like an MVP candidate, steps up and says, "Dude, Valanciunas, this is weak. Like, what are you doing, man? Like that—that's trash." And still, I just can't get over. Like, I'm trying to envision a situation where you and I are out walking along, and someone comes and throws you to the ground, and I just help you up. Like, I'm trying to envision a situation where someone like just throws another person to the ground in the midst of a game. And look, we know in the league, the, the, we know the NBA doesn't fight, nor should you. Like that's, that's, there's no yeah. place for fighting. But yo, but you can yell and get you in someone's can face. Get, you can get in somebody's <laughs> face. Like I saw, I think it was, uh, Kenny told me who it was. I think it was Tim who said Harry Giles would not have allowed that to happen. We all know Amon Shumpert wouldn't have allowed that to happen. Like nobody, you know, there are certain guys who wouldn't have let that go unchecked. Meanwhile, I don't want to say you've got a roster full of guys because you know you can't leave the bench area, but you certainly have five of them that didn't have a damn thing to say to Valanchunas after they just threw, you know, this young man to the floor from the rim. It's not like he was thrown from the ground. It's not like he had a chance to set himself. Like he was thrown off the rim. 
and no one did anything. And that part to me, if you were to find a moment that characterizes the Sacramento Kings right now at this point in the season, that's the moment for me. Yeah, and I know um, I saw people mention, oh, well, the bench got up because at that point it, it was the backups in the game. And I guess the starters were on the bench like they got to their feet like, OK, but so you're telling me nobody outside of your what top five players can wants to get in, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> get pumped, get in someone's face like. And like, hey, man, make I know it we've got depth. I know, I know the Kings got depth problems. That's <laughs> not what on. we meant. Yeah, that is not what we meant by depth problems. Like, come yeah. on, fellas. Like, what are we, what are we doing, man? It's just so, it's so frustrating, man. It really is. It's, it's really just so, so frustrating. And you know, sometimes you just want them to pop somebody. Just, just get in somebody's face. And, and okay, you don't have a response then. You mentioned this a moment ago. How do you not have a response when he 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 dips on Corey Joseph, realizes it's Corey and not Metu, and then swings his body around trying to get Metu? Like that Valanciunas is trash. That whole situation is trash. But worse off is the Kings' reaction to it. So that that's that's been bugging. That really has been bugging me all day. Like that was probably way too big of a topic today. But it it is just bugged the hell out of me. Um, John, but I, I think it just, next... like you said, though, it just goes to the overall, you know, kind of what we've seen from this team and and from their own words themselves that they're not physical and they're not, you know what I mean? Like that that's not, that's not them. And unfortunately, that's not going to get you far yeah. in the NBA. Like it's not. You, you need some dogs out there. Like that's, and that's one thing that everybody always loved about Harry is that dude, like, he was zero to a hundred mm-hmm. all the time, right? Yeah. And yeah. didn't matter if he was on the bench, on the court, like he he was that he was that guy. So, yeah. with what we know potentially, and it, and it, and it really does feel like likely with Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes, at least against Miami, I do not like this week coming up. Like this, I I do not know where we're going to be the next time we do a podcast together. I mean, they they've got the heat, and we know what a what a fight that was for them and Jimmy Butler's return in Miami, and then they've got a back to back on Saturday and Sunday with Chicago and Milwaukee on the road, and then they've got Brooklyn coming up again, and Brooklyn is really starting to find their way. You know, they've got the New York Knicks who owe them a bit of a receipt, and they're still playing their defensive style of ball, and. Then they got the Detroit Pistons, and you know the Knicks and the Pistons aren't particularly good teams. But spoiler alert: neither were Orlando and Memphis. So this, you know, I, I, I was going to say we can't even say that because again, we don't know which team is going to show that's, up that's, on and any that's given what night. I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, you know, this team needs to find itself, but I don't even know if that's the case. They they're they're going to have to figure out what they look like. If certain players like they have to, find, this is this I I recognize that I'm about to say the stupidest thing ever. They've got to find depth somehow. Like they, they somebody has to step up. Like someone has to fill in this role. You know, with I don't know I I don't know that Hassan Whiteside is at the stage of his career where he could do it. I I don't know if they need to call somebody. I don't know what they need to do, but they've got to figure something out. Yeah, I mean, and we, into this you road know, trip. we talked about how Fox had had found that next, you know, step, and and during that game, like he was playing out of his mind, right? But to and to me, like that is awesome. But I don't, 
I'm happy we saw it, but at this point in year four, I still don't think it's realistic to expect him to be able to do that every night yet. Like mm -hmm. we saw he can do it, but I don't think we're going to get that right. Like that all the time. Not like we're still going to see. So again, like you said, you need other people to step up in ways and you know, in, I don't even know if in years past. So, I mean, what if, I think we said this last week that Buddy it, it was averaging like 16 points a game. Like he, you know what I mean? Like that they were still winning and his numbers were still down. So it was Tim that actually put something up um, the other day and said, um, I think it was Barnes numbers, like in the wins, here's Barnes numbers and the loss. Like we've talked about that. And when they're losing, here's his numbers. And I said, okay, well, what's Buddy? Literally, his numbers did not affect wins or loss. Like, they were the same. Like, he had the same numbers in the wins and the same numbers in the wild. losses. Like, yeah. So it was like, you're going to need that you? him to go one way or the other. Yeah, Wasn't like, that you who said, hey, do Buddy next? Was that yes. didn't you? That, oh, that was so good. And he, so when he said that, I was like, how is that even like, that's the craziest stat to me that literally did not affect it one way or and, the other. Man. And what, like in, in re reality, like, I mean, in, in, for those of you who didn't see this tweet, who aren't big in it, one, you should absolutely be following Jill Edge if you're not yet. But two, like, what does that say? Like it was, it, it was, it, it was 16 points, win or losses. It was plus or minus half a rebound, half an assist, you know, and wins or losses for buddy. Dude. I looked at that tweet for a while, like, what does this mean? Like, is my what, what, like, is Buddy insignificant? <laughs> like, what I, does I mean, this I mean? guess you can say he might be the most consistent player. I mean, based on that, his numbers Consistently are there. inconsistent, right? Like, <laughs> but it's ads, but that's the thing, like, he's out there for one reason right like he's out there for threes and to score which to me is crazy right now that i think he's still second in the league and three pointers made and he's had so many games of bad shooting nights and maybe that's just how crazy this season has been yeah um i and that he's shooting so many threes where i still would like to see him go to the rim more and things like that um but it's i don't i don't even know but it, it really did surprise me that it was not one where they one way or the other. But I mean, I don't even want to pick on him, but there were certain times in these last couple of games where he had a couple fast break options and he was leading the fast break and he has two other guys around him and he's taking it right at the defender and loses it like almost every time. And it's like, and then it would start a run right for the other yeah. team. And this was part of the, my, you know, talking earlier um, and that that this front office has to, you know, come to a decision that we're still seeing the same things, you know, year three, year four. Mm -hmm. And and yes, that's realistic. It's you're gonna see that from players, but I'd rather see it year three or four from a 23, 24 year old rather mm -hmm. than a 27, 28 year old. Like, right? Like at least I mean, yes, we know what we're getting from him at this point, and he He's made improvements in defense and other things um, where I think Tim today put up one where it was actually um, Corey Joseph's numbers on defense are actually even worse than, than buddy, which kind of surprised me, but 
Um, I mean, I don't want this to be like a pick on Buddy Heald thing, but I mean, because everybody was playing, you know, poor. Yeah. But again, these are part of the decisions that the front office is going to have to make. Um, and that is it. Is it better for Darren Fox to have a shooter like that around him? Does it, you know, it does removing Buddy um, hurt Fox's game? I don't know because of that stretch where even when when Buddy's this is the thing about buddies. Even when he's having his off nights, teams still respect what that guy can do because he can, you know, go, you know, NBA jam on fire at, at, you know, the switch of a, of a snap. So it's, and then, then you remove that from the situation, depending on what you bring it back in. Does that then hurt Fox's game and, and the, you know, strides that he's made? I don't know, but well, I don't know what happened that, that was between <laughs> I, I don't know what happened since we started recording this. Like Luke Walton was speaking as as we were getting ready to record this. That's where he said uh Rashawn and Harrison Barnes are probably out. Sean Cunningham tweeted a moment ago, Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes are out versus the Ooh. game, uh versus Miami. Remember, Harrison Barnes is Jimmy Butler's defender. Jimmy Butler had third the last time this team played. These two teams played. Um, yeah, dude, this sucks. This sucks. Barnes is out. Rashawn Holmes is out. Go get some alcohol, kids, because it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a rough, it's gonna be a rough uh, six game stretch here. I think for the kids. yeah, he did mention that it was during the Memphis game and for Barnes and that he played. He tried, you know, he played through it during. The Brooklyn, you know, kudos to him for, for trying, you know, for that explains a lot, you know, they're playing through, yeah. but yeah. it, it, it makes a lot, lot of sense, but mm. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what we get tomorrow and how this rotation's gonna, like I said, I'd have to imagine we're going to see, um, Bagley and Whiteside at center and Bielitsa and GR three or Jeffries, uh, playing yeah. the, the three, four. I mean, I'm hoping that this, you know, throw Jeffries in at three again and then work, you know, belly and, and GR three, how they need to. But I, this is the time where I'd rather see Jeffries get, get the minutes. Well, but you're, but I think in this situation, you're going to like, yeah. these guys are going to get a ton of minutes because you have to, you, you like Harrison Barnes is a 35, six, seven, eight, minute a night guy like there are minutes there to be had now with 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 Harrison Garn and Rashawn Holmes Garn Rashawn Holmes is a 30 minute a night guy I don't imagine a singular guy is going to get those minutes so whether you're a hashtag little dog guy or you're a you're a you know Daquan guy DJ I don't know what his nickname is like whatever it is you're probably going to get what makes you happy like they're going to get some run tomorrow and and I'm I'm guessing uh, they're probably going to get some run, you know, over the course of the next handful of days or so. Brutal, yeah. brutal loss for the Kings. Uh, on top of you know just a a difficult four game stretch where we saw De'Aaron miss a game, where we saw Marvin Bagley miss two games, we saw Rashawn Holmes miss a game, we saw Metu go out with an injury. So everything that the Sacramento Kings were able to avoid through the first 24 games of the season has just uh, been um, leveled on them uh, over the course of the last week or so. So it'll be the Kings in Miami, and uh, they'll be off on a five-game road trip immediately following that. Jill, I don't know what this is going to look like, but 
We'll be here to cover it. Uh, it'll be a roller coaster. Again, I don't know what part of the roller coaster we're on, uh, but it'll be a roller coaster. That it will be. That it will be. Um, congrats, by the way, too, on the the uh, radio extension, the time slot extension for those that are listening that did not, that had missed the news somehow. Did, have I ever I'm sure they didn't, I, but you know, <laughs> have I ever mentioned that I work on a radio show? I, I don't know that I, I don't ever recall bringing that up at all. Not multiple times a show at all. One of the reasons like my schedule, there, there's two reasons that I, I, I love doing this podcast, despite how hectic the schedule has been. And I, and I mean this sincerely. The number one reason is you like, I love being able to talk Kings basketball with you uh, every single week. Uh, and, and now that we have four hours, I'm going to need you a lot more. <laughs> during <laughs> during the uh during the radio show hours just uh just a warning there and two i mean i i love you know th- this is such a it, the king's audience like the king's fan base is so passionate even in their you know we're passionate in 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 our excitement and we're passionate in our frustration so uh i like that you and i get to get together each week and and share our passionate uh excitement and our passionate frustration as well it's it's yep. good stuff. And I got to see one of the reasons too. I and love thank this. Thank you for the congratulations, by the way. Yeah, I have, I, I, that was the whole point. <laughs> thank welcome. you. This show's moving to 12 to four. We the appreciate show it. In this fan base I was yesterday. I know you saw it was, I put out that piece about the, the monarchs, like my phone still today has been like going off on mm-hmm. people that one guy responded that, uh, he used to work at a rental car spot in Chico mm-hmm. and he had someone that would come in weekly and would rent a car every week to drive down to Sacramento to watch the Monarchs and then come back. But like this place, I mean, just the amount of people that are still like, Oh my God, bring them back. Like I miss that so much. I want that for my daughter, like all that stuff. Um, Like I just like, you don't see that everywhere. Right. Like, I mean, especially for women's sports, like that's not, and like this place still is like, give it to us. You don't see that in, franchises like they're like i i could name them all like connecticut uh phoenix has a really really good fan base vegas they've established a very very good fan base from there and seattle seattle's been oh seattle sorry yeah 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 seattle has a great great fan base yes and their history like yeah indiana's okay like there's i think once you get away from those four you you fall into groups where like yeah okay they're good like they're not horrible or anything like that. Sacramento was in the upper echelon with with the Connecticut's and what what now is Las Vegas and Phoenix and Seattle like they were in that group. Yeah, and I mean, it yeah. sucks that there's probably. I mean, that team has been gone for over 10 years now. <laughs> Someone responded that they were it was reminiscent of the U.S. how U.S. um USA soccer works that the Monarchs were, you know, the, how the women's team is and the men's because it was like the last season was like really the only season that they were bad and, and like missed the playoff. I mean, mm-hmm. they'd been consistent and almost had the back-to-back championships. Like, right. I mean, that they were like, they were like the women's soccer team out there yep. <laughs> who everybody loves. And that's when, as a fan of basketball, we got to see our wins there. Right. Yep. Like, and then we, had, we were even lucky during that streak where, you know, we had both teams really good um, and both teams almost won championships at the same time. But I mean, it's, it's just another thing we love about this community. And we had the number two pick that year. 
and we're trying to figure out a way to get to trade with Minnesota to get the number one overall pick because it was um, Tina. It was Tina Charles. And it went, you know, the we yeah. got, like I'll never forget November. It was a, it was around Thanksgiving and got the call that it, it, mm. it was gone. And they, you know, the, the, the Maloofs had given them two weeks to find a buyer and the, like we were, there's no chance. We just can't get this done in two weeks. And I remember being at the all-star game. I can't remember where it was, but it was the all-star game a couple of months later. And Kevin Johnson walked over to where we were sitting and he said, he, he, he doesn't say hello. He doesn't say, how are you doing? He sits down and goes, if they would have told us we would have had someone to buy the team, we could have gotten buyers um, like immediately. But they, they, they came to us way too late. We had no idea that they were getting rid of the team. And oh, it was brutal. Yeah. Just brutal, 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 brutal. Yeah. Um, hopefully one day, though. Hopefully one day. I'm excited for the storm to be here. Um, but I would be really excited to see the WNBA back. I, like, I hope people who, again, th- there are people who haven't gotten to experience it. That was 10 years ago. Um, to be able to and experience the like, WNBA yeah. game, the Golden And Knights as, game. you know, someone growing up who loved basketball and like that was, I mean, it was cool seeing it rep- right, represented out mm-hmm. here. And yeah. this is the funny thing. I don't think I ever told you this, that, um, like, you know, I think I've told you this before, though. I grew up a Tennessee fan, right? Like, randomly. And it was because I was in elementary school and had to do a state report. And the state I got was Tennessee. And I'm a huge sports fan growing up. And I'm like, I don't know, fourth, fifth grade at this point. And I, that's when I discovered Pat Summit mm-hmm. and Tennessee. And during the 90s, that's when they were going through um, their huge, you know, runs. And, uh, that's you know, and then discovered Kara, and I mean yeah. the rest of their like ridiculous um, amount of people that they've had come out of there between like Holdsclaw and yeah, there you go. You yeah, have I was I'm, but, so but, I'm doing a, I'm doing a visual. This is just one of my most yep. cherished things on oh, the planet. Yeah, like I I just this 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 book yep. and the inscription in this book mean mean the absolute yep. world to me. And so to have a team come here and then have like. Kara come here right at that point it was just like oh my god like um and then getting to see too so many like Tennessee players at the time coming through here on different teams like it was just um I mean because around here like there wasn't no like no offense but there wasn't like women's college basketball that was you know featured um and it just happened to be my state project like hooked that for me and uh that's awesome that's that's how it was but I mean and I'm sad for like, like my nieces and stuff where I tell mm-hmm. them about this stuff and I'll get them to watch it where they've ended up loving Connecticut. Right. Cause Connecticut's the team that's always on sure. TV and yeah. Brianna Stewart growing up. And so like that, they've been able to watch that stuff, but I am sad that I haven't been able to take them to, you know, um, to games and things like that. So yeah. hopefully Ho- one day, I hope day. so. It's it's the WNBA is so important. Women's sports are so important. Representation is so important. And I know in order for the the league to expand, they they can't expand by Sacramento. They need to expand by Sacramento and another city for it to really make sense. And um, the the execution of that is is difficult for that league. But, uh, you know, hopefully it is something that can happen. 
Um, Gracie's getting anxious. She's ready to eat. That, that's, that usually signals the end of the podcast. So we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, do all of that wonderful stuff for Jill Ash. For Gracie, I'm Damian Barling. We thank you so much for being with us here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network.